We're going inside them. We're going outside them. Inside them, outside them. And if we get them on the run once, we're going to keep them on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. Don't forget that. We're going to get them on the run. We're going to go, go, go. 100% sure how good Penn State is, but Washington Ohio State is like, God, we should have beat that team. And Louisville fell to Pitt, and we just put 50, we beat like 51 points. It's like, God, if, you know, things just, you know, ended up bouncing our way, or we got some favorable calls, or, you know, you obviously, you know where my, my head's spinning right now. But overall, it is, right. it, is it is what it is, and um, yeah. I enjoyed Saturday. So I'll, I'll keep it there for now. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it, man. It, yeah, looking back on the season, 
the Ohio State game, that was super painful. Louisville, I, I don't know which one was was harder uh, on me. But either State. way, still it's crazy. With this. Ohio State was. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with you, but still crazy that Pitt beat that Louisville team. Um, but again, a great performance by the Irish, uh, taking care of business out of the bye week. Uh, some unfortunate news from the game. Mitchell Evans is out for the rest of the season. Uh, he tore his ACL. It's a pretty rough hit, man. And, and this is a huge blow um, to the Irish and really a, a huge blow to Sam Hartman, who, you know, I feel like Mitchell Evans ha- had become his favorite target and kind of his security blanket. You know, I mean, yep. anytime he needed to play, I felt like he was going to Mitchell Evans. Yep. You're, you're dead on with that. This was, um, obviously, you know, the duo that, that Hartman, or I guess the, the receiver, even though he's a tight end, the receiver that he had the most confidence in, um, if there was a big time spot for, uh, the offense to move the chains, you know, uh, Sam was going to try to link up with Mitchell Evans and Mitchell Evans has made some spectacular grabs, some, um, unbelievable plays for, you know, this offense to keep moving the change and extend drives. And with him, you know, being out for the remainder of the season is a significant blow to this offense. We can't understate that. No doubt, man. It's it's a bummer, but, you know, ho- hopefully this opens the door for, uh, you know, some more Holden Stays, who ever since I think it was NC State he had his, his big game. Uh, hopefully he can get more involved in the offense, and, and maybe we'll see some Eli Raritan as well, which, you know, uh, the, the hype around him has been very real. I know he's still getting healthy, but uh, maybe it's time to get him more involved in the offense. So I think that's um, a good point, Nick. And, and, and don't count out Cooper Flanagan. I, you know, we don't know. We don't know the extent of, you know, Eli's injury or, you know, kind of how he's feeling. Is he truly back to 100%? You know, is yeah. the Irish medical staff and, um, you know, obviously, you know, basically the offensive staff, you know, taking it easy with them. They don't want to you know, obviously just throw him out there and all of a sudden have, you know, kind of the Mitchell Evans um, snap count that, you know, just all of a sudden make up for it. I, I think they, they have a they have a pretty good feel for their tight end room. And I think they have a lot of confidence in Cooper Flanagan, who ended up catching a touchdown from Steve Angeli in the game. So um, obviously Mitchell Evans, we're hoping for a speedy recovery. It's a significant blow to to the offense, but we definitely have the talent behind him that that can definitely step up, um, and those three names are, are definitely suited for for that kind of step up performance. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Cooper Flanagan. I I feel like he can kind of be the forgotten guy, but I I feel like every time he's been in the game, he's he's played pretty well. I mean, as a true freshman, uh, you know, a guy fresh out of high school, I've been impressed. Yes. So, I mean, I guess th- that's what should be expected at tight end you. <laughs> Preach. Yeah, d- d- don't, don't count that dude out for sure. Yep. Um, speaking of the offense, uh, let's talk a little bit, you know, the hot topic, Jared Parker and his game plans. Everybody has an opinion on it. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll I'll give my thoughts and then we'll, we'll hear yours, Joe. I, I honestly, I didn't have a problem with his game plan. I actually, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, especially coming out, um, you know, I rewatched the game and the, those first few drives, I, I felt like, you know, Pitt was stacking the box and I, I felt like Parker uh, had an answer for it. You know, he was putting an emphasis on getting the ball in the perimeter, uh, getting the ball out quick for Sam to get him some confidence going. And um, and I also thought throughout the game, there was more of an emphasis on the play action. Uh, yes. I saw some 
you know, some different formations, some different motions uh, that I thought were effective. So I, you know, I know a lot of people were saying, well, this offense still stinks, but I, to me in this game, it wasn't on the game plan. What would you think? Yeah, Nick, I think, you know, after the game, you know, and you and I spoke about it and we also spoke about it in spaces, I wasn't overly impressed you know, with the Irish game plan. And I think I, I kind of had the blinders on because, you know, obviously Sam Hartman starts out the game with two interceptions. And I truly thought this was going to be Sam's kind of breakout performance saying, you know, this is going to be my my last four games in the regular season as a college football yeah. uh, player where he was going to kind of ascend um, and really kind of really take off, um, you know, regarding just – his stats, the way he plays, really, you know, even punch up his his draft stock. I, I I truly thought the bye was in a good spot for Sam to, you know, get right, get with the receivers, the receivers to get healthy, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we would see this Pittsburgh game and then obviously moving forward with Clemson, Wake Forest, et cetera, um, where, where Sam would really ascend. And emotionally after the game, you know, if you look at Sam Hartman's stats, um, you know, you think like he had a solid game. He had a 70 QBR, um, 18 for 25 for 288 yards. But obviously the glaring is, is the two interceptions. But I'm with you, Nick. Yeah. After kind of re-watching the film, um, re-watching the game, you know, I, I felt a little bit better about how, how the offense played. I, I like some of, of the creativity and play calls that we saw from um, Jared Parker. I love the play action. I love seeing that. Um, wow. and, I th- and it was effective and it was effective. So, um, I think emotionally rapid game, I wasn't overly impressed. You know, I was expecting a little bit more, but in the end they got the job done. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of good that they can take away from this game that hopefully builds momentum for, you know, a big time opponent in Clemson, um, and going away to death Valley, uh, going into this week. Yeah, man, big game coming up. Um, real quick on those interceptions, that first one, am I? I thought that was pass interference on that first interception that Sam Hartman threw. I, I mean, I still think that Sam yep. should have put a little more air under it, but I was surprised there was no flag there. Um, and then the second one, I think, was just a bad read on his part. So, yep, like you said, still a solid day, but and that's know, those two mistakes. And that's kind yeah, of what ahead. you know. I want to hit on the first one, and I think you bring up a great point, Nick. You know. Could have been pass interference for sure. And this is also what we've been kind of preaching in our podcast, right? Is, you know, we still are dealing with inexperienced receivers. I think Rico yeah. was trying to sell, you know, basically it being a pass interference. But by doing that, you're you're really trying to, you know, put the weight of the play in the official's hands. And if you Great don't get point. that call, you know, again, this is what happens. They end up getting an interception. If he fights that a little bit harder, you know, we're probably not even talking about this play, and it just ends up in an incompletion. So those are good learning lessons from for Rico Flores. And honestly, yeah. when I rewatched the play, I liked the shot. I think it was actually the correct read. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. it ended up just not yeah. bouncing the Irish way, or I guess you know going the Irish way, just on those little adjustments, those split second decisions um, that you know obviously a true freshman had to make. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it, man. I. I'm like you. I thought it was a good read. Um, just unfortunate that it didn't go our way and it, it kind of killed the the drive. But fortunately, you know, um, it didn't cost us the game or anything like that. So, um, want to talk about let, Estime? Stay on the offense. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit of Estime. 
Um, I know a lot of Irish fans were a little upset that he was still in the game towards the end of the uh, uh, end of the game, but I, I, I see what the Irish is doing. I, I'm sure Estime's over there. Hey, you know, I, I want to get over 100 yards. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, get a touchdown. He th- he's padding the stats a little bit, and I don't blame him because he does consider he does deserve to be considered for the Doak walker award there's no doubt yeah and uh so you know I, i'm fine with him getting uh some extra touches even when they're up late um but on the flip side if he were to get hurt oh, or something, yeah. free freeman would not hear the end of it oh for sure and i'm with you 100 nick i thought it was a little bit weird in the moment again it's like you know I, I reacted a little emotionally on the offensive game plan and react a little, you know, easy to do. you know, during the game about, you know, Audrick still being the game. Like, what is he still doing in here? But, you know, you owe it to that young man, right? He, he's dedicated yeah. a lot of his time. He's been a great ambassador for Notre Dame football, and he has goals for himself. And just because of the outcome of the game doesn't mean we have to withhold him from that, right? Um, just because Pittsburgh's, you know, obviously playing at a, at a I would say, a poor level uh, compared to what Notre Dame did on Saturday. You know, do you have to punish Audric for that? Um, you know, he has his own goals, and and we should, I think, as a staff, Notre Dame, you know, Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker are trying to, you know, basically throw an olive branch to Audric me, like, hey, we're, we're going to try to get this done for you, man. And I don't have a problem with it either. And for anyone who was curious, 19 carries, 114 yards, and three tutties for, for Big Drake. Great day. Big Drake. Big Drake, baby. I mean, the dude's a monster. And I really liked your point of, you know, he, he's given a lot to the program. He, he's been a great uh, representative of the university. So I, I like that point. And, you know, why not? If that's what he wants, yeah. Get, get him his touches, get him his yards, and um, let's yeah. go get him a, a Duke Walker award. Part, you know what I mean? I can't remember. Huh? No, just, I, I, I totally agree. And part of, you know, being a coach is putting your student athletes in – a place to succeed, right? It's, you know, right. that's part of being a coach. It's not always about X's and O's. It's about making sure that young man can achieve his own goals, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board. And, and I, I want, you know, Audrey to to try to get that, that Doug Walker um, award at the end of the year. I Honestly, man, I, I should have looked this up before the podcast. I can't, I don't even know the last time Notre Dame had a Doug Walker award winner. Like, I, that that would do wonders for you know not only SMA and his draft stock and and all that, but um, for the rest of the room and the confidence and then the offensive line. And McCullough. Uh, and then for recruit and McCullough, yeah, I can't believe I didn't say McCullough, mm-hmm. but uh, and then recruiting especially. I mean, you know Notre Dame, we're tied in you, but we also claim to be O line you. Uh, you know, it, it'd be about time we got a Doak Walker winner award winner um because that, that's only going to help recruiting on the o-line and in running backs so yeah I'm, I'm happy for us to me i hope he gets it um and i i hope he has a big day this this coming saturday um sticking with the offense um so uh, jadarian price man i i know jeremiah love is getting a lot of love um but uh, I love the way Jadarian Price runs the football, man. I just, <laughs> I love everything about it, dude. I want to see him get more touches as well. It, it's crazy how much talent we have in the running back room because 
there's truly not enough to go around, man. I, that touchdown run, he, he was running through tackles. He was determined, man. And his change of direction, it's just – it's fun to watch. He, oh. he's, yeah, just fun to he's, watch. I'm talking about, you know, comeback player of the year maybe for, for Notre yeah. Dame. I think he's put himself at top of the list. Um, you know, obviously coming off the Achilles injury, he had all the hype around him from his massive spring game as a true freshman – and yeah, couldn't be more excited about his future in a Notre Dame helmet. And Nick, I just wanted to drop this in here because we just talked about it. I looked it up real quick. The Doak Walker Award okay. has not gotten, or Notre Dame has not received uh, a Doak Walker, um, or I guess running back has not received a Doak Walker Award. Looks like the award has gone on since 1990, and I'm not seeing the Notre Dame uh, football player. We've never had We've one. never had one. So wow. it would be cool to see if uh, Big Drake can get that by the end of the man. year. Yeah, and he deserves Man, that, that'd be perfect. I, I didn't realize that we've never had one. Yeah, that, that makes me want want to see him get it even more. That's that's pretty wild. Yep. Pretty wild. Um, let's continue with the offense. Uh, Steve Angeli got to come in. You know, quarterback's always a hot topic. Um he pretty much had the entire fourth quarter. You know, they let him run most of the offense and, and even have starters in there, like Estime. And, man, I thought he played really well. I, and I I love his throwing motion. I, I don't know what it is. I, I enjoy watching the football come out of his hand. It just it, – it's a pretty motion. It comes out a, a nice tight spiral. I know I'm weird because I love that <laughs> stuff. But, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed watching him play. What did you think of Angeli? Angeli? Tip my hat, you came in and delivered. I mean, what can you nitpick about his performance when when he went in? He threw a beautiful touchdown throw, um, rolling out of the pocket to his left um, to Cooper Flanagan. Yeah, and it man. was that was incredible. a dime, a dime. I mean, that's not an easy throw. It doesn't matter what defense that was on the field during that time to go to your left and then just throw an absolute. On the money. On the money, right in the bread basket to Cooper Flanagan on the run. I mean, it was, it was again, I love saying this, chef kiss. I mean, he rolls out of the yes. pocket, and it was just bang, right in, right in the bread basket for Cooper Flanagan, where I think anyone could have caught that ball because um, how perfectly it was yeah. placed. So this is what is, is kind of fun about this conversation, Nick is it kind of puts, you know, Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker, the coaching staff on the hot seat of what are we going to yeah, do? Because this this is just going to heat up the portal talk. It's going to heat up saying is, is is the QB room even need one now? Because um, when you put performances like that, Steve Angel, you're you're telling the, the coaching staff, you don't need to have wandering eyes. You got your QB right yeah. here. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. I, <laughs> Angeli was a man out there playing – like he wanted the job and like he deserved it, honestly. And, uh, you know, speaking of the, the portal talk, I just put out an article and, and boy, I've been oh, hearing it from our You show. got a lot of action, like, baby. No, I, I got a lot of hate, you know, like, <laughs> no, we don't need to go into the portal. And hey, I, I don't disagree. I, I liked what I saw from me, right. Jelly. So, you know, I, it, it was, it was a great performance and, um, I'm excited about him. I hope we get to see him again, uh, here in the next few all games. right we want to embrace debate here now want to have that little healthy debate let's do it all baby. right Here, let's go. here's my action or my re my initial reaction my my hot take i understand angelic played well i am tipping my 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 hat to him he 
He's definitely putting, you know, the coaching staff on the hot seat saying, hey, your QB for the future is right here, 100%. However, however, me talking as a Notre Dame fan, you have to, if I'm Marcus Freeman, you have to have a wandering eye. You have to see what's out there. And I want to say pretty much the free agency portal. You have to. I think to be in an elite program, if all of a sudden, and now I don't know the QBs that, that may jump into the portal, but if another Caleb Williams or a Drake May, you know, one of these, you know, or another Sam Hartman, you know, goes into the portal and is interested in Notre Dame, you're telling me that Marcus Freeman should turn turn his head and say, I'm, I'm rolling the dice on Steve Angeli. I, I think with the way college football is right now, you always have to take in all the information you can to see if what is best for your football program to win a national championship. That's, that's my take. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Because I don't want us to handcuff ourselves to our QB room. And I, I love the thought of, you know, developing our own QBs and I love the QBs that are coming in. However, my number one goal, and I'm sure it's Marcus's number one goal, and it should be all Notre Dame football fans. Number one goal is to win a national championship. And if there's a QB that you think could possibly be better than the ones you have in the room that could take a, you know, an offense over the top and win, you know, the big games like Ohio state, you have to, you know, maybe investigate it a little more. That's all. That's, that's my reaction right now. What are your thoughts? I think it's, I think it's a good reaction. And I, honestly, I wish I could debate you on it, but I'm on your side here. I, <laughs> I, I stated it out in my article as well, but, any time that you can improve your overall roster talent, you do it. I don't care what position yeah. it is. It, in today's college football, every every college football program is going to be looking at the the uh, quarterbacks in the portal. There's no yeah. doubt. I, I don't care who they have. They're they're going to have an eye on it. And if there's a game changer, they're going to want to bring them in. People, you know, a lot of Notre Dame fans get upset. Well. Well, it's going to hurt our recruiting for the future. No, every other program is doing this too. Yes. We are trying to win and we are trying to win now. We have the talent across the board on this football team. If you can get a guy who can win you games at quarterback, the most important position, you do it. Facts. Ten times out of Facts. ten. Ten times out of ten. So I, I agree with you, man. I and, and again, just because you bring in – a transfer quarterback does not mean that he's guaranteed the job. Like you, you tell these guys like, yeah, no, we want you to come in. We want you to compete for it. If you're as good as we think you are, you'll win the job. And if not, well, we appreciate you coming and trying out. Like that's all it has yep. to be. So that way you're, you're not sitting there telling Angeli and Minchie and Carr like, Hey, uh, sorry, we're bringing in somebody else and, and they're going to start automatically. No, you make it an open competition. Yep. That's what college football is yep. today. 100% agree with that, Nick. And it's just a new age of college football. Now, I think, Nick, you and I are on the same page Correct. here where, you know, I'm rooting for Angeli. I'm rooting for Kenny Minchie. I hope they're, they're, oh, they're proving it on the practice field. And if, obviously, Angeli with his game action saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be the guy. I, Marcus Freeman, Jared Parker, have no doubts. Your man's right here in South Bend. Yeah. But, you know, look at the top, you know, look at the top 10, you know, college football programs. I would say, you know, over half of them have 
you know, either a transfer portal QB, Oregon with Bo Nix, Texas with Quinn Ewers, Washington yeah. with Penix, you know, these and um, Ole Miss with Jackson Dart, USC with Caleb USC, Williams. I mean, you and then LSU, Jaden Daniels. These are all guys that started at different programs that they have at their QB yep. that, you know, ended up finding success in their program after they hit the transfer portal. And obviously it's paid paid off well for those those programs. Um, now, I understand you could say, well, Michigan got J.J. McCarthy and Ohio State with Kyle McCord. I bet you would tell – if you went to any Ohio State fan, they're not sold on Kyle McCord yet. You know, they still have to play the back end of their schedule. Right. But, you know, I would be shocked if Ohio State doesn't, you know, dabble into the transfer portal as well. Um, you know, so these are things that, you know, top-tier college football programs always have to evaluate. It doesn't mean that we have to close the book, you know, or, or, or turn a blind eye. Um, and, and say we're developed here. If you want to be with the top tier programs, I love the way you said, if you can improve your roster, you do it, period. Yep. Yep. 100%, man. And, and we'll see what happens. You know, Marcus Freeman said uh, that him and the staff were going to evaluate um, their situation for the next bye week after Clemson, and they're going to decide if they want to pursue a transfer quarterback mm-hmm. or not. If I had to bet money on it, I think they will. Because I think Marcus Freeman and the staff feel the same way that we yep. do. You, you, if you can get, if you can improve talent, you improve talent. Yep. Ten times out of ten. So, all right, um, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball, man, and, and let's start with uh, the man himself, <laughs> Xavier Watts. <laughs> Two interceptions. He currently leads all of college football in interceptions. And he just got his first one last week. Balling or out. No, two two weeks ago. Yeah. The dude is balling the heck out right now, man. He is coming into his own. He is on a on a on a missile right now through his trajectory as a as a safety in college football and probably rising up the draft stocks for for the NFL. Which I'm almost like Xavier. Let's cool it a little bit, all right? We we, we let you back. We want right. you back next year. Let's not, you know, put put all your tricks and all your skill set on display here. I, I'd love to have you back, man. But I mean, wow, it has been so fun to watch Xavier Watts and talk about a guy that you just you're gonna root for. His story with his family is incredible. I'm sure a lot of them saw it oh, with, um, you know, College Game Day doing a feature on it. This is a guy that was asked to go, that was recruited as a wide receiver, um, you know, goes to the defensive side of the ball, which I'm sure is not a hard – I'm sure it's a hard discussion Marcus Freeman had to have with him um, to, you know, switch positions uh, and then ask him to switch positions back due to lack of wide receivers last year where he was taking reps in on the offensive side and the defensive side. And, and now that he's solely into this safety role, man – he is fun to watch. The dude is electric. The dude is just absolutely electric. Xavier Watts, man, you are you are trending up on my one of my favorite safeties to watch in a Notre Dame uniform. No doubt, man. His game has it, it has come a long way. I, I remember, you know, not that long ago, I was like, I, I doubt he'll ever even see the field. But the dude is just he's taking it all in. He's learning how to play safety, and then. On top of that, he's he's becoming a playmaker, and I think he's becoming a leader back oh, yeah. there. He's a he's an easy guy to root for, and I'm like you though. I hope he comes back next yep. year. Yep, yep, and and I think he is kind of the prime example 
And this is a tip to cap to Al Golden for everyone on the defensive side. And I know I'm kind of segueing into just, you know, the defense as a whole. What we are watching from Al Golden in this defense is elite level, elite level, elite level where I would put this defense up against any college football team in America right now. 100% where, you know, they're not going to let, you know, any team score. I think I'd be safe to say over 25 points. I know that sounds crazy, but from what I'm seeing, no, I mean, they're going to withhold, you know, any offense that I've seen in college football. You know, it takes the Michigans, the Georgia, where I would feel confident that their offense is not going to all of a sudden walk in and get in rhythm right away and, and, and beat out this defense on, on their performance. Um, Al Golden has this team playing with an edge, playing fast, playing confident, Seems like everyone knows their role and the scheme and all the the tact that you need on the defensive side. It is a masterful, I would say, or I'm just saying the, a masterful performance that they've had back-to-back weeks. Mm-hmm. And really, we've kind of seen it all year. And it's kind of been overshadowed by our, our woes of the offense. And seeing mm-hmm. it kind of come into where it was able to kind of back, to, or not really back-to-back week, we had a bye, but you know, back-to-back performances where they have just been absolutely elite, where I haven't seen Notre Dame's defense play like this in a long, long time. Man, it's some of the best defense, like consecutive defensive performances I can remember from a Notre Dame team. And I'm like you, man, I'm glad you brought this up. Al Golden is special what he does. I know he caught some, some flack last year and early this year, but if there's any way you can keep him in South Bend, you do it because he's the most important recruit right now out there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, let, let's hope that Lou Anarumo <laughs> doesn't get a head coaching job, uh, which I think he probably will. But uh, man, very impressed with what he's doing. Very impressed with how, how he's got his guys mm-hmm. playing. And, you know, one of the knocks on the defense throughout this year has been tackling, but even that's improved mm-hmm. as we've gone forward. You know what I mean? And you can't even rep that a whole lot in practice, you yeah. know, through the season. So and Nick, for, for our listeners, do you want to give a little background? I know you mentioned Lou and I a hundred percent agree just in case they don't know the background yeah. on, on Lou and Al Golden. Good call. Yeah. Good call. No. Yeah. Lou Anarumo is the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Al Golden before he came to Notre Dame was the linebackers coach for the Bengals. And it's been rumored that him and Anarumo are are tight mm-hmm. and you know and rumor has been rumored to be getting a head job in the nfl and uh it's out there that al golden would probably be his defensive coordinator if he lands yes. that job and am i missing no no i just wanted you to provide some background just in case we had some, some no absolutely uh, you know people that weren't Bengals fans like you and i so we're right. rooting for two teams that are you know pretty daggone good yeah. on the defensive side of things and uh, Lou, Lou, there's no doubt in my mind he deserves a head coaching job. And I know no Al doubt. Golden is quick on his his list of people he will probably want to hire, especially with the performance he's put out on the college football level this year for, for Notre Dame. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't be someone that Lou targets if he does get a head coaching job. So um, obviously something no doubt. it's that I would say as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I fear losing uh, Lou. And as a Notre Dame fan, yes. I, I fear losing Al Golden. So, or um, yeah, Al right. Golden. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, if we could keep him, man, or or make him one of the highest paid defensive coordinators, whatever it takes, Notre Dame, open up, whatever open up that checkbook, baby, because that will help. Seriously. If you want Notre Dame to win a national championship, is keeping that guy in house. Yep, no doubt about it. And speaking of off season awards, you know, we talked about Estime and the Doke. That dude should should be running away with the Broyles Award yes. right now for the best assistant coach of college football. I mean, what the game plans that he's done against, you know, some of the top teams in the country, top offenses in the country has been absolutely incredible. So yeah, hats off to that dude. I'll go near the man. I mean, the (laughs) highest points that he's given up this year is 24 points versus NC state. It's the highest points this defense has has given up. You only lose the, you know, Ohio state 17 to 14. You know, you lose to Louisville, or I, I should apologize, 33 points to Louisville. My fault. My fault. I got ahead of myself. We did give up 33 points to What's Louisville. That? But, again, if you watch that tape, the offense did the defense no favors. Right. And, you know, going forward on fourth down in your own territory with nine minutes to go, you know, it, it was kind of that desperation for Notre Dame, you know, I would say before the clock hit zero. I would say pretty early on in the second half where – you know, Louisville's offense was set up to get easy points there. Um, but taking the Louisville game out, I mean, Duke, Ohio State, I mean, oh, it's man. been it's been dominant. So, um, yeah, that's that's just one little key key thing I just wanted to hit. No, I, I think I think it's a great point. And to me, it's just it's been it's been so impressive what he's been able to do. Uh, I mean. Any offense that's got to play Notre Dame right now has got to be worried. I mean, that dude has schemed, and the calls he's made have been out of this world and very impressive. So I'm with you. Um, he, he shut down some of the top teams in college football, and, man, if we can somehow keep him for another year, look out. Yep. So um, sticking on the defensive side of the ball, um, Cam Hart suffered an injury. I actually have not heard um, the extent of that injury, and, and uh, but also on top of that, uh, Ben Morris, Benjamin Morrison, Eddie Clamps, uh, he was out for this game this past weekend. Um, but uh, the two young guys, Jaden Mickey and uh, Christian Gray, stepped in and played pretty damn well, man. What'd you think about that? I love Al Golden and I love Mike Mickens, man. They, (laughs) I mean, I want to give credit where it's due and Mike Mickens, what he's done with this secondary group, or I should just say cornerback group um, and the talent he's bringing in is just outstanding. Uh, I love just the versatility of this group, you know, getting a guy like Thomas Harper, which I think, um, you know, is sometimes overlooked, you know, he's a great nickel, you, you know, and, and then you go into, you know, obviously Christian Gray is another true freshman that looks like he's going to have an outstanding career. I mean, his the the one-handed kind of tip drill to himself, I mean, the athleticism shown by that young man. Um, and you do see how crazy the guys went for him. You could tell he's a he's, – he's, cool. <laughs> he, he's definitely a, a locker room favorite. And – and Jaden yeah. Mickey, we've heard about how he's a big trash talker and he loves to take risks. I know some people don't like it. I love having that on the cornerback side. 
I, I love, love playing it. a guy I with a little it. bit of risk to him. It kind of reminds me of uh, of Travion. Is it Travion Diggs with the Cowboys who had a bunch of interceptions? Yes. Like some. Great Sometimes he's going to absolutely maybe whiff and maybe give up a big play, but when he hits and he's going to keep getting better and he's going to know how to read it. I mean, the read he had for his pick six was was again. I'm going to use use the adjective pretty. again. Masterful. <laughs> masterful. It is. It, oh, I thought. Oh, I thought you were going to hit us with. A oh, chef, chef kiss. kiss. Chef yeah. kiss. It was a chef kiss. <laughs> Mwah. Mwah. Uh, uh, chef I kiss, but. He's fun to watch, man. Our, our quarterbacks are just so confident. They want to go make a play. Cam Hart punching the balls out um, from, uh, you know, receivers. And they're making plays. This team is – the cornerback room is looking to make a play on every down, anytime there's an opportunity. And I've almost – and we were joking about this, Nick, on spaces. I enjoy watching the defense more than I do the offense. It's like they are, they are that kind of special. Yeah, me too. Me too. No, I, great point, man, and I, I agree with you. And I, it's the best secondary I I think I've seen at Notre Dame in my lifetime. And I was born in 1991, so you know I uh, they've had some great ones. But watching these guys play, the the confidence that these corners play with, I love it. I, I'm like you, I I like a little bit. If you're a wide receiver or a corner, you got to be trash talking a little bit. You've got to be crazy mm-hmm. confident. Uh, you know, to, to thrive. So, and I love the, I love the comparison to uh, Diggs from the Cowboys. I, I think that's spot on. So no, Mike Mickens, he's another one. Give him a race, <laughs> throw him the bag, whatever you got to do. Cause uh, don't let that dude no, leave. Heck no. Yeah. Heck no. So we're, we're pretty blessed uh, right now on the defensive side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's wrap up in the pit. Um, I want to highlight Chris Tyree and the special teams, man. What a punt return. We have not seen one of those that was, you know, he's breaking tackles. He's shifty. He's refusing to go down. It it reminded me of like a a Zibikowski punt return, and I loved every second of it, man. And and then also got to highlight the play by Devin Ford, you know. (laughs) Uh, Pitt was trying to field a punt and, and we got a touchdown off of it. So uh, really impressed with what the special teams is doing yeah, as well. Um, I love that you mentioned, uh, you know, Ford in that because talk about a guy who came in from Penn State, probably maybe had expectation for him to be in the running back rotation. But talk about just yeah. owning your role, accepting your role on this team and doing it to the best of your ability. I, I think Ford, it was a great addition to, to this roster. And I wouldn't be surprised because he could come back as well. Um, you know, that, you know, he's going to be another contributor in 2024, but man, outstanding um, work that he has done um, with the rules that, you know, the special teams and even the offensive side of the ball have put him in. And yeah, I know I've been critical of Chris Tyree. Sometimes I think he lets punch drop that, you know, give up critical and yards, those, but Hey, those were fair criticisms, and, man. but Hey, he, 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 uh, he backed it up by, you know, taking that one, breaking a few tackles, and I saw on Twitter that he hit a total of 21 miles per hour on that on that return. So showed off a little bit of speed there too. The jet, baby, <laughs> and also, I mean, let's not even get started on on phase on returning punts, man. That did look electric as well. No, yes, yeah, uh, no, exciting, exciting stuff, man. Great game, um, but. Uh, 
I, I think that's going to do well, it for segment one. Segment well, two. I want to hit Sorry, on one ahead. more thing, Nick, and I know we're going to jump into Clemson here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but I think this is a thing that we just want to talk about. I know we've been very positive the game. Um, but I do think there was a learning lesson from Marcus Freeman in this game. That was the clock management oh, at, yes. at the end of the first half. What What were your thoughts on letting the clock kind of bleed down, um, you know, where we put ourselves in third and goal with, I believe it was nine seconds, nine seconds remaining, or 12 yeah. seconds. I think it was 12 seconds. A little, It might have been around there. Um, and then, obviously, for, for that next play call, we get a, you know, offensive pass interference into Mitchell Evans. What, what were your initial thoughts on Marcus's decision to kind of let that clock bleed down where ultimately, you know, it was in a position to make sure Pittsburgh didn't get the ball back in with any time left on the clock? Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I almost skipped. Past you can't be all positive, around, Nick. We're Notre Dame fans. Around, we, have, we have to have I, I, some dude, sort of you're right. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. It can't, right. So, uh, no, I, it, at first I was like, okay, I kind of understand where we're going with this. But my biggest complaint was how far he let it go down. I, you know, I, I think he could have, you could have killed the clock in the twenties and still been fine. But also, I would have been okay, you know, going up to the line, saving the timeout, and and maybe even trying to run the ball there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It it's one of those things because letting it go all the way down and then burning your last timeout, it does it does make it. Um, a one-sided thing, you know, you know, that we're not going to run yeah. the ball there after that. We can't take a sack, which, you know, we have veteran Sam Hartman back there who, who knows the situation. He's shouldn't take a sack or anything like that. Um, but also, I mean, the odds of that a great, great call by Pitt, you know, to, to do the pass interference there uh, and extend it. Cause I mean, that that rarely happens. Yep. So, it, it, I think I think it was again. You know, this is Freeman's second year. I I don't think he handled that overly well. I think he could have handled it a little bit better, maybe killing it in the twenties or or high teens. But again, I think it's something that he'll yep. learn from. And you know, we'll see. What that, what were your thoughts? Here are my thoughts. So, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But I think in the moment, right. um, you know, I, I didn't love the move. And I think it's something that Marcus will learn from because when your defense is playing at that elite level, even if Pittsburgh got the ball back with 30 seconds or 20 seconds, I see Narduzzi just taking a kneel and getting into halftime. You know, I, I didn't see him trying to take one final shot. Yeah. Our secondaries, too, got daggone good for – them to go down the field and possibly put in a field goal with, you know, the amount of clock left. And when you kind of, now, if you're playing Patrick Mahomes, I think I said this in in our family group chat, Nick, um, you know, if you're playing Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, or you're playing even Caleb Williams and they have an explosive offense, totally get it. I think that's the right move, you know, bleed it down, make sure there's absolutely zero reason for, you know, you know, the opposing team to possibly put points on the board. However, with the circumstances that were going on on that field, you know, I, I don't know if that was the right move because you did corner yourself to have something go wrong, right? And it did, you know, yeah. and I don't think, you know, Mitchell Evans did the greatest sell job that, you know, he was just running around. He definitely put his shoulder into the guy that made it an easy Man. call for, for the officials to, to call that an offensive PI. Um, I feel like, r- real quick, 
not to interrupt, but like I feel like that's the second time we've complained about our wideouts yeah. or tight ends, you know, not selling it, man. All you got to do is act like you're looking for the football and just run yeah. the bat. I you mean, know what I mean? Is it's there acting classes so. that we get our guys, our wide receiver room in uh, at Notre Dame? <laughs> you know, just you know, run, do your job, you know, just run full speed into the guy, you know, acting like you're going for the ball or something. You know, when you put his shoulder down, when you're obviously yeah. trying to clip the guy, uh, it, it makes it easy for the officials. And, again, it's it's good things to have these kind of, you know, not perfection games because it's great things that you can go into the film room and correct your guys on so hopefully they don't happen again. But like you said, Nick, we've, we've gone through this before. I don't think it was Mitchell yeah. Evans was the culprit last time. Uh, I think it was Rico Flores and maybe Jaden Greathouse. Right. I think it was either one of those two uh, earlier in the season. <clears throat> Yeah. But overall, um, you know, that that was the one thing I took away that Marcus can maybe learn from is, you know, don't corner myself into those kind of things, knowing, you know, put some faith in the defense, you know, with the way they were playing. I, I would have liked a little bit more time. And obviously you're 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 putting yourself in a corner for something to go wrong. And unfortunately it did for Notre Dame and they had to settle for a field goal. Yeah. No, absolutely. And um, just going back on the on the pick routes and stuff, like when I was coaching high school football, like every team does pick routes, but we would just tell our guys, look, put your hands up mm -hmm. and act like you're going to catch a pass on that route. That's all you got to do. And the refs won't call it. The, the Talking to the refs, they're like, yeah, no, we, we can't call it if you're looking for a pass. So it's like, yeah. come on, guys. Um, but no, I, I think it was a learning experience for, for Freeman. And luckily, you know, this was a game yep. that it didn't bite him in the ass and he can from it. So um, last thing on pit here, uh, and then we'll wrap up segment one. I love that they, <laughs> they brought Kenny Minchie in to take. He was committed uh, to pit and it was just kind of one of those like, job. yeah, Narduzzi. Yeah. This is <laughs> a solid troll job. So, all right. Uh, we'll be back with segment two. We've got uh, Notre Dame Clemson preview. We've got predictions, and then, of course, we will answer your questions. So we will be right back. Welcome back to the First and Gold podcast segment two. Uh, this segment, we have Notre Dame versus Clemson preview. We have our predictions, and then, of course, questions from you guys. Always appreciate those. Uh, Notre Dame versus Clemson. The Irish are heading down to Clemson, and Notre Dame is a three-point favorite. The over-under is 44 and a half. Um, what are your initial, you know, thoughts on, on this matchup, Joe? Well, here, here are my thoughts. It's still Clemson. I know that they are the talks of, you know, probably one of the most disappointing teams of the 2023 year for college football. Uh, Dabo has been taking a lot of heat. Um, you know, we're going to go into kind of his, his comments and his pressers. Um, you know, here this week, but mm -hmm. let's not get it twisted. This is an away game. We're going to Death Valley, and this is going to be preached to their guys, them versus the world. They're going to have that, you know, <laughs> Ohio yeah. State versus the world mentality. You know, it's going to be Clemson versus the world. It's only us, you know, we got to believe in the guys in the locker room, and let's not get it twisted here. This is going to be their season saver. You know, they are going to want to put their their hats on on this win as, you know, as a successful season or a season saver 
I should say, as you know, a big time win on their on their home turf, or I should say, home grass in Death Valley, where their fans can feel good about, um, and just really their program, right? You know, it feels like you know a lot of speculation on Twitter is like this is they're going back to the old Clemson of you know decades before, where they didn't have the Deshaun Watsons and the Trevorses. Um, you know, they're going to go back to being kind of a middle tier uh, college football program. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not falling for that. I'm not falling for that. I know who they've been recruiting. Uh, this is still a very talented team, and I think they're going to come in hungry. And to be completely honest, Nick, I, I'm very worried. Is you know, kind of like what we experienced versus Louisville. It, it's always hard to play on the road, and this could be a beehive. It's you know, Death Valley is going to be rocking. They're going to be wanting to – they're going to be desiring to win bad, bad. And they're going to play mad. They're going to play angry. And they're going to want to take it out on Notre Dame. So it's Notre Dame's responsibility to not let that happen. So I'm worried. I'm going to be honest, Nick. Man, I'm a little you worried and I about think too game. much alike because I I hate how this game's setting up, man. It's <laughs> – you know, Clemson's coming off a loss. I, I, I'm going to echo a lot of your thoughts. I, you know, they're coming off a brutal loss. Dabo's getting a lot of pressure. Um, you know, the teams, yo, yeah, back-to-back losses. Back-to-back uh, they, losses. Their team's getting a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of hate. Um, it, it's all setting up for, you know, no, we, beat Clemson, we beat Clemson last year. They're going to have that chip on their shoulder. Thank God it's not a night game, man. Because, uh, you know, the, the environment down there yes. is already – rowdy enough like you brought up um so this one worries me i dabo mm-hmm. going off on you know reporters asking him questions which i don't blame him um and we'll get into that but this is a good team i okay well i shouldn't i shouldn't go too far this is a really good defense their their defense is talented man um mm-hmm. they're 15th in the country in, in rush defense only giving up 3.13 yards per rush so it's not a great matchup for the Irish. Like mm-hmm. Sam Hartman's going to have to be on his A game for this one. Um, and and Dabo's going to have those boys yep. fired up. So I'm like you, man. It, this is one that worries me a little bit. Oh, and, and kind of going off that, Nick, you know, their defense is very good. Just like you said, only allowing 3.3 yards per carry. You know, it's going to, you know, and I know what they've been recruiting on their defensive line. You know, they they have some NFL dudes on that defensive line and really in that linebacker too. core uh, that they linebackers are, are really impressive on film. And, you know, it's going to be a tall task for, for this offensive line. It's, you know, we can't have, you know, where, you know, we've seen it where Duke was dominated against our offensive line and Louisville was dominated against our offensive line. We can't have that again yeah. and expect success. So, you know, it, it's going to be a tall task for the offensive line. It's going to be a tall task for Sam Hartman without Mitch Lennon. And I even think we saw some some things on Jaden Thomas where his hamstring's still lingering. And we haven't seen Jaden Greathouse perform to where where we've seen him earlier in the year. He's still battling that hamstring. So, you know, we're, we're going to need some guys to step up um, with, you know, the injury to Mitchell yeah. Evans, the offensive line perform to the level that – we expect them to do because this defensive line, like you said, and I love it, is going to have a chip on their soul on their shoulder. This coaching staff is going to have a chip on their shoulder. The whole fan base is going to have a chip on their shoulder, and they want to take no it doubt. out on the Irish. So 
you know, I, I, you know, for Marcus Freeman, we got to make sure we have a game plan that we're coming and focused and it can't be a letdown performance that we've seen on the away schedule yeah, so far no, this year. Very well said. And I, I, I am, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it. Um, I, I do think Marks will have the guys ready, but just matchup wise, I, I don't think it's, it's great for us. So I think our defense will take care of their offense. Their yeah. offense is not very good. Um, but you know, it's going to be a defensive battle. And if, if we can't lean on Estime and, you know, our, our running backs, I, I really, I'm hoping for a big game from Hartman. Um, as far as their offense goes, uh, Shipley most likely out. Did you see that hit he took, man? That was brutal. Oof, God, it was brutal. brutal. So I'd be surprised if he plays, um, which is a, that's a big loss for them. He, he's a heck of a player. Um, yeah. Heck of a player. And, and a lot of their yeah. offense goes through him. I mean, they, they depend on him a lot, and they want to make sure he gets a lot of touches. So, you know, as we've lost Mitchell Evans, they also lose a key part of, of their offensive scheme uh, with Shipley. So that, that definitely yeah. serves well yeah. for the Irish. Uh, did you have a chance to hear his rant, Dabos? I, I saw Twitter, um, how do you say, uh, basically right. quotes of it. Um, and I saw, you know, obviously Mad Dog and uh, a lot of other Twitter heads, you know, having their input on, you know, Dabo pretty much uh, going back at a reporter for, you know, basically saying, you know, how do you feel being, you know, I I'm paraphrasing here. This isn't the exact quote, but, you know, basically saying, how do you feel being, you know, the highest paid, you know, college football and, you know, yeah. sitting at a four and four record. And, Honestly, I don't love the question from the reporter. I've actually it was, was a young reporter. It might have even been a fan. Uh, like I, I don't know. There were some mixed reports on Twitter, but like I don't know if it was a call in from like a fan or what. But yeah, either way, <laughs> I don't love the question either. But go yeah. ahead, sorry. No, no, and um, you know, I, I kind of get why Dabo clapped back. You know, it's I, I didn't. You know, I, I don't love it. You know, there's probably better ways. I'm sure if, you know, you asked Dabo, would he respond the way he did? Probably not. But, um, you know, it just adds to, you know, the whole narrative that, you know, the Clemson football program is crumbling, right? Every, everyone's hitting the panic button. You know, coaches, you know, it just builds that narrative, right? So I, I think it actually adds to the chip yes. on the shoulder, us versus the world that they're probably preaching in the locker room. And, when you play an angry, fiery team that wants to has prove the world lose. wrong, uh, it's a, it has nothing to lose. Well said. Nothing to lose. You know, you're you're going to be in for your you're going to be in for a battle. You're going to 100. It doesn't matter if you're even playing, um, you know, let's say you know uh, a Miami or um, mm -hmm. you know a Virginia. You know, any time a locker room can come together um, and kind of play with an edge and have you know basically this bulletin board material. It usually plays well for the locker room to come out and play um, yeah, at a higher I think level. I, very well said. And honestly, I know a lot of people hate Dabo, like, but there's some I, for some reason I, I don't know why I don't hate him. Like I, part of me kind of appreciates him. Like he, he's not your typical coach. I I think I gained a lot of respect for him when he came to Notre Dame the last time and he took his team around uh you know campus and showed them all the traditions and talked about how you got to respect a place like notre dame and i don't blame him for his rant 
I mean, th- this guy, he's won two national championships in the past, what, 10 years? I, I mean, I-, I know he's having a rough year, but, man, he- the fans got to chill. Like, you can't you can't win he's... every game every time. So, uh, you know, I, I yeah. do think it, it yeah. sets up <laughs> poorly, like you mentioned, as far as everybody, you know, Dabo's going to be preaching. Everyone's against us. Everybody thinks we can't do it. Notre Dame beat us last year. Uh, he, he's going to be setting that up. I mean, I mean, what coach wouldn't? So it, it worries me a little bit. I think that was a really mm-hmm. good point. Yeah, and, you know, it just makes I'm me worry. I, I know we're in, yeah. we're in for a battle, man. It's not going to be, you know, we're going to walk in there. We're going against, you know, little old 4-4, four 10th four, in the ACC Clemson. It's still Clemson Correct. across their chest. And – you know, when they're when they have the bulletin board material, and I love how you said it, it's is you're exactly right. They have nothing to lose. Yep. Nothing to lose. I'm sure it's a big recruitment game for them. They're probably point. gonna have a bunch of recruits on their campus. And, and you know, they, they're gonna circle this as a, a season saver saving win that they could put on on their resume. Um, you know, going into the twenty twenty four season and you know, say that you know, hey, this year didn't go as we expected, but, you know, we still had that that big win against Notre Dame at home. And, you know, that's what mm-hmm. you sign up for when you're Notre Dame, though. When you come play at Notre Dame, Correct, you're everyone's Correct. Cool. All right, uh, let's go ahead and jump into predictions. Um, I'll go first. Again, I think – Oh, yeah, the yeah go ahead. Go ahead with the lines, lines on it. Yeah, so, well, right before we get into predictions, so Vegas and the sports books have Notre Dame as a three-point favorite, so minus three for Notre Dame. I kind of like where they have it at the over-under at 44-and-a-half. I do think this is going to be a defensive battle um, for, you know, all obviously the hype we gave in segment one for what we see in the Notre Dame defense. Clemson has, you know, I wouldn't say, ju- like, you know, better than Notre Dame. I, I truly think Notre Dame's playing at maybe one of the top defenses in college football right now, but – Clemson's right, right on their tail. This is an elite defense, so this is going to be um, a battle of who can kind of win explosive plays. I think explosive plays are, are going to be a big part of this, whether it is a punt return or finding a fumble or getting an interception. Um, those are going to be the game difference plays. That, that's what it kind of feels to me that there's going to be some sort of explosive or big play that's going to shake this game to become – um, whichever side it balances to uh, a winner or loser. No, that very sense. well said. A lot of good points there, and I agree with you. You know, the, this is one of those games where you know field position is going to be important, avoiding mistakes, yep. not turning the football over on, on both yep. sides, Notre Dame and Clemson. So, I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, you know, it's a battle of two really good mm-hmm. defenses. Uh, I'm going to go Notre Dame 24, Clemson 13. Oh, we're, I swear to gosh, Nick, we are so close on all these. I, I'm 24-17, Notre Dame. 24-17. We, we are always close. And we we are always close. And, um, you know, I, I truly see this as a game, a defensive battle. I think, you know, Notre Dame fans, don't panic if, if we don't move the ball like we did versus Navy uh, or the Central Michigan's. You know, this is going to be a battle where we got to have to find our spots, find gritty ways to, you know, move the chains and then hope for that one Mm -hmm. big play. And I do think Sam Hartman, 
I, I think that he, 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 he just do. He's due for just a big time throw. All of a sudden, whether it's Tobias or Jaden Thomas or Jaden Greathouse or Rico Flores, that's going to be kind of a backbreaker. And, and that's what I mean by the explosive play. Um, and that's why I see it as a touchdown game. And I think that's going to be the play that kind of, okay, separates themselves to being the winner on, on top of this game. Is There's going to be a pick six, yeah. and I'm hoping I'm going to put my stock and my chips on there that they're just going to be a big-time play, whether it's Rico Flores or something over the top that Sam Hartman is going to hit, and we're going to be like, we've been waiting for that all year against a big-time opponent, and we finally got yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think – I agree with you. I think that Hartman is definitely due, and I, I'm I'm like you. I have a I have a weird feeling that he's really gonna he's gonna have an impressive game. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, so those are our score predictions. Um, last night was the college football playoff top four. Uh, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, you know, all the rankings. Notre Dame came in at uh, 15. Um. What were your thoughts on the, the playoff rankings? Well, my initial thoughts were, you know, everything you can always bone pick. I mean, this is going to change the, you know, everyone's going to eat themselves here. Um, you know, obviously Ohio state, Michigan play Georgia and Alabama are probably eventually going to play. Um, I believe Oregon and Washington are going to probably play each other in the pac 12. Um, you know, whether it's in the championship or, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone in the Pac-12 got one of those guys on, on any given Sunday for the remainder of the season. Um, so there's going to be a lot of change. If you go back and look at college football playoffs uh, rankings that, you know, the first one that rules out, it never stays true uh, for, the first four, or the, for the first four playoffs that they have in. It's not going to stay the same. Um, here, here is my thing. So let's talk about Notre Dame. So I thought it was very clear that they put all the, you know, they, they kind of had it off resume. And they put, you know, obviously the undefeated teams and then they put, you know, the best one loss teams and they put the two, you know, the best two loss teams. And, you know, obviously LSU uh, is a two loss team along with Notre Dame. And they just edged out um, for the 14th spot. Notre Dame lands at 15. And uh, there's just something that kind of pains me about that seeing Brian Kelly just one, one leg up on the Irish, but I know they have a tough test versus Alabama this weekend. Um, and I and again, Louisville at 13, I'm like, I, I still think we're the better team. They just got us at like the perfect time when we were just absolutely exhausted, went into a beehive. And you can't tell me that, you know, I, I would love a second shot at them. But that's how it plays out. You know, they went off resume. Um, and I was kind of expecting if it if it wasn't going to be strictly resume, kind of based off eye test. That's what I was kind of hoping for. Because if you watch the Ohio State game and you look at all the met, the analytics towards that game, Notre Dame outplayed Ohio State. Mm -hmm. They were the better team that day. And, you know, due to some self-inflicting errors, you know, they end up losing that game. Obviously, the Louisville game, there's not much you can say about that one. Um, but I wish there was more of an eye test. You know, do I think Ohio State's the best team in college football right now? Heck no. Heck no. You can't convince me. They After I, I watched them versus Penn State, I watched them versus us, you know, they don't, if that's the best team in college football, I'd be surprised. I'd be really surprised. What about you, Nick? No, I, I agree with you, man. I, I thought I thought Notre Dame would be somewhere around like the 12 to 14 range. And I'm like you, I, I hated seeing LSU ahead of us. And I, I don't think LSU is better than we are. I really don't. Um, 
honestly, looking at the some of the teams ahead of us, so you got LSU at 14, Louisville at 13, Missouri at 12, Penn State at, Penn than, State at 11. We're better. We're better than, we're we're better than all those teams. Ole Miss, yep. I think we're better. Oklahoma, I think we're better. Oklahoma at nine. Yep. Uh, you know, Alabama, I don't know. Good game. That would It'd be, be a good, good game. game. Um, so I also, I'm like you, you know, I, I watch, I watch the first rankings and, you know, I, I do get into it a little bit, but it doesn't mean all that much. So they're gonna, they're all going to change. So, um, one, you know, not Notre Dame related. I'm like you, I don't think Ohio state should be number one. Uh, I think they're trying to set up that, that Ohio state, Michigan, um, uh, matchup, you know, just for rankings and all that. But um, I, I was really surprised that Washington wasn't in there. I, I, I think, you know, Washington and Oregon have both looked really good. Um, and for neither of them to be in the top four. And also, I you know, the committee is basically telling us that strength schedule doesn't mean squat. I don't know. That's what I took from this. Yeah, I think they put Notre or Ohio State number one because they have the wins versus Penn State and Notre yeah. Dame because they technically won no the doubt. game. But if you watch those two games, I, I just think some of the eye tests should have been taken into like, I don't think anyone that was a college football fan or college football analyst walked away from the Penn State Ohio State game and said, whoa, that was an impressive performance by Ohio State. You know, both of those teams struggled mightily. And, again, Notre Dame only put 14 points on the board against Notre Dame uh, or Ohio State's defense. And a lot of that was just self-inflicted. Um, Correct. And I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's rankings, and I know we've talked about this. I don't want to get too real riled up about, you know, rankings on October 31st, right? I mean, a lot's going to change. A lot's going to have to still play out. Um, interesting how it plays out. Now, Nick, here's my hot take. And I want to talk about this because I'm just so intrigued by this whole college football Michigan scandal. The whole cheating scandal has had me laughing, curious, intrigued of how the NCAA and Big Ten are going to play this out. Because, Nick, here's here's my hot take. And I know I'm kind of a Michigan hater. I'll I'll just wear that. But with the evidence I've seen, with the evidence I've seen, you know, and it, it if it was, you know, with and for anyone that hasn't, you know, that may have, you know, not been in the loop on what's going on with Michigan uh, and the scandal and the updates on it, you know, there's there's video out that on the Central Michigan uh, sideline that Connor Stallions was in a disguise, Central Michigan hat, sunglasses in a night game, um, possibly wearing sunglasses that have a camera on it, um, you know dissecting Michigan State or Central Michigan's play calls on the sideline in Central Michigan credentials. Um, crazy. I, I've never seen anything like this. This is just where the NCAA, this scandal is jumping into new territory. And here's the hot take. I know, so I, I've built this up. I truly feel that Michigan does not deserve to be in the college football. They should be banned from the college football playoff. If all of this is true, if they've gained an edge on their opponent through, you could say that this Connor Stallions went rogue, went crazy, took his job way too, way too over the top of of his schematics on trying to, um, you know, gain an edge for you know the Michigan's defensive staff or offensive staff 
uh, whoever he was stealing signs for, if, if they could find evidence that he was able to give an advantage to Michigan during those games with tactics that were obviously seen as unlawful or cheating, et cetera, how can the NCAA be okay with putting them in the college football play? I don't, I don't, it has to be on the table, right, Nick? That has to be on the table that Michigan could be up to this kind of punishment. I agree 100%. And again, okay. Uh, no, I, so I, I don't know everything. I know what's been put out there. And, and from what I've seen, it looks really bad for Michigan. And if even part of it is true, I'm with you. They should not be in the college football playoff. The NCAA is at a crossroads right now. They have to decide how important protecting the integrity of the sport is in this situation. Because if Michigan goes on to beat Ohio State and goes on to win the national championship, and then it comes out two years later that, yeah, they were cheating the whole time. Yep. I, I mean, it's just – it's going to give other programs the green light to be doing this all the time. So. Yep. I, and and it's not even just because it's Michigan. I don't care if it was anybody on this top 25 list. You have to do something about it if there's that much evidence, which it seems like there is. So again, I hold judgment until everything comes out. Yeah, that's that's my thing, Nick. Like, you know, I I know I'm interrupting you, Nick, but I I get fired up about this subject because I just find it, I find it funny, intriguing. And it kind of gets me excited because let me just preface by saying this, you know, when I say, you know, banned from a college football playoff, you know, I do feel bad for those guys putting on the Michigan uniform because those aren't those kids decisions. You know, those aren't the players decisions. Correct. They, you know, I, I do feel there's a part of me, they shouldn't be punished for something an adult did um, that could, you know, ruin their season and all the hard work they put in. However, however, there are, rules and if you don't abide by those rules there has to be fair punishment and if those the coaching staff was able to gain an advantage by cheating and stealing signs then the ultimate punishment then you shouldn't reap the benefits of winning a national championship and going to the college football playoff i'm sorry it pains me for those players but but that's the reality and here's the funny thing like you know, Jim McElwain was on Mac, uh, was on, was, you know, had a Mac game last night and, you know, he comes out and basically publicly said, we have no idea who that was on, on our sideline. This is a guy that was credentialed in central Crazy. Michigan gear. This should have been already been like, Oh, that's Joe Smith. He's one of our guys. They had to come out and say that this would have been easy to say, Oh, look at our credential yeah. list. This, this is so-and-so, you know, he looks like Connor Stallions that has not, that has not been public knowledge, and I feel like it should have been by now if, yeah. if it was someone that wasn't Connor Stallings. You know, someone it's, in Central Michigan saying, raising their hand saying, oh, that's me, my bad. Like, I look like him, but I was actually there because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the nephew to the defensive coordinator or whatever the situation may be. But they haven't been able to say that. And then Jim McElwain comes out in his press conference, opening up his press conference after the game saying they're investigating because they have no idea who it is. Not a good look. Not a good look it's, for the Big Ten. Not a good look for the NCAA. And they need to act fast. It's an it's it's getting more and more bizarre by the day. And just 
just to even step away from the scandal for a second and, and go back to the rankings, and then I, I do want to add something onto the scandal. But putting Michigan at number three, there are two teams on this entire top 25 list that have not played one other team in the top 25, and that's Michigan and Air Force. <laughs> How in the hell are you going to put Michigan at number three when Washington is undefeated and they beat number six? If we're, if we're truly going off resumes, Facts. like we're, you know, we're talking about Ohio State, mm-hmm. get out of here. Uh, you, you can't you can't move the goalposts if we're going by resumes Fast. and Ohio State does have the best resume and they're number one Washington should be ahead of Michigan and it, sh- it shouldn't even be close it shouldn't even be a thought which I'm going to get on something that I'm going to get on my soapbox here yeah. real quick we should be using the BCS rankings to decide these top 25 and then let them go play it in the playoff I will say it till I'm blue in the face I hate that it's decided by 12 old dudes um, that have biases. I I hate it. I hate every bit of it. Now, onto the sign-stealing thing. 100%. It gets worse day by day. The Big Ten's show nothing that they're going to do anything. Harbaugh's dodging questions. To me, the longer you let this play out, the longer you let Michigan – uh, you know, steal spots from other schools mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe aren't cheating. It, it is, it is killing the sport. And I agree with you, the big 10, the NCAA, they need to act fast, but unfortunately they won't. <laughs> and and it sucks. It, it really does suck, but something needs to happen, man. Somebody's got to, got to grow a set. Cause if even half of the things that have come out about this stallions guy are true, man, yeah, they don't deserve to to go to the postseason. Plain yeah. and simple. And and one last thing, and I, I know we want to move to questions here because they're getting a little long. Um, but I think it's almost inevitable that 2024 we're gonna see uh the headsets inside the QB's helmet, right? It's I mean, gotta just, happen. It's gotta just, happen. It's gotta happen. It's an easy fix. It's what hap- it's what they do in the NFL. Um, you know, it you don't have this sign stealing thing if you just fix that thing with just updating technology to the game. And, and real quick, don't give me the whole, well, some of the smaller programs can't afford to do that. NCAA, take some of your millions and millions of dollars that you get and just make sure every college football program has five to six helmets on the sideline that have a headset in them. It's not hard. It's not a not a huge expense. So I don't want to hear that argument. I agree with you. It's an easy fix. It should have it should have been done a long time ago. Yep. Yep. But that's so. a good way to kind of cap off the college football playoff rankings right there. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of controversy. Yeah. You got to love there, college There's football. a lot, man. Yeah, we, a... we could talk about this for a minute, I'm sure. But <laughs> yeah. So. All right. All right well, let's jump into questions. Yeah. Um, and again, guys, we really appreciate the questions. We're seeing a lot of loyal fans, you know, coming in and asking some really great uh, stuff for Nick and I to talk about. So keep them coming. And uh, no way, uh, no one better to start off with than than Luke Elshoff. Uh, give him a follow at McChuckles419. He asked, where were both? Where would both of you place the odds of Notre Dame being the first two lost team to make the playoffs this year? Nick, I'll let you take this one. Oh, man. Uh, 
my initial reaction is is slim to none. A lot, a lot of chaos would have to happen. I mean, yeah, I, I don't see it. Um, it. It'd be awesome if it did because I do think that this is a year in college football that th- there's not a clear cut dominant unbeatable team. So, but I, I just think too much would have to happen. I know a lot of teams in front of Notre Dame are going to lose. You know, we still have all of November. But to get a two-loss Notre Dame in without winning a conference, man, I I think it would be pretty tough. What do you think, Joe? Agree 100%. And, you know, maybe if the the NCAA does all of a sudden lay the hammer on Michigan, maybe it opens up slightly if if, it plays out perfectly for – you know, the Pac-12 to eat itself and then the SEC to eat itself and the Big Ten to eat itself. Um, everyone yeah. to kind of have a flute game. Um, you know, and again, let's just see how it plays out. But I, I'm i not banking on it at all for Notre Dame to be in the playoff. I think there's only been one team. I think it was Auburn. But they had some impressive wins. And if you look back at Notre Dame's was wins um, – go ahead, Nick. Sorry. No, 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 no. Never mind. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if, if you kind of look how Notre Dame's, you know, schedule has played out, you know, there there isn't a top-ranked team that we've kind of beaten. You know, Duke's kind of, you know, it was a great win. Um, you know, they've kind of, you know, obviously fallen. You know, this Clemson, if this was the Clemson of, you know, what we expected this year, it would be a great win if you get, like, a top 10. If, if this Clemson team was top 10 and you go into Death Valley and kind of prove um, to the committee that, you know, you beat a top 10 program, um, I think that boosts it, but USC is kind of falling off. They're in tough games every week, even against, you know, whether it's, you know, Cal or Arizona, um, you know, Clemson's four and four, et cetera. Let so me, go ahead. Let me ask you this real quick, Joe. If we would have beat Louisville, where would we have been ranked in this college football playoff rankings? If we would have beat Louisville, I truly think we would be between five and eight. Yeah, I think I think we'd be right there, kind of where Oregon is, like yeah. six, maybe seven. So, all right, I was just curious. I, I wanted your thoughts on that. Yep, because and then you kind of have to think, where would Ohio State be? You know, because you know, I mean, you think about it, dude. Ohio State's number one right now. Yes, according to the college football playoff rankings, and if we just have eleven dudes on the field for the last play, we technically beat the number one team. Yeah. And how about this? Just flip it. Let's just say we beat Ohio State, but then ended up having a fluke loss to Louisville. Man, yeah. You know, I, I still think we're in that five six range. You know, it's just you yeah, know, things just kind of went went wrong. But you need I think in order for Notre Dame to get in the college football playoff and have one loss, you need to beat like an Ohio State to prove to the committee that you beat a top ten team. And unfortunately the way that other teams have played out in their schedule we don't have that kind of, you know, monumental win um, left on the schedule for us to put our hat on and, and say to the committee we deserve to be in the college football playoff, which yeah. sucks. And it's Clemson's it fault. It's Clemson's fault. So it's all Clemson's <laughs> fault. Come on, Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'll, I'll go to the next question. And Luke kind of asked the same thing. Um, you know, appreciate the questions, Luke. I know you're you're already barking at us to make sure we get this podcast up as soon as possible. You the man, Luke. Yeah, we appreciate it. But he said lots of turmoil brewing across college football this year. Actually, Gotta love it. Actually, Joe, I, I think 
I think he just posted the same question twice. Oh, I got you. So we, we, I accidentally added them both in there. So let's let's go on to clutch. But anyway, Luke, we appreciate the questions, my man. Yeah, thanks, dude. Yep. So we'll go to Clutch Sports Notre Dame, another loyal fan of ours. Clutch Sports as Twitter is at Clutch Sports ND. Give him a follow. Thank you, Clutch. Uh, he says, is Marty Biaggi's special team genius starting to become a strength? And I'll start with that. He has another couple questions following that, but let's dive into that one first. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it is. I, it, the first four, three to five games, I was actually a little bit worried about our special teams. I didn't like how we were blocking on kick returns. I, I, I didn't love, you know, like you mentioned, Tyree giving up a lot of yards on punt returns, but man, they've, they've really improved over the last two, three games. And it's been impressive to watch and Devin Ford on special teams, man, he's been a monster. So yeah, I, I do think our special teams unit is becoming a strength. And I think it's a great question because special teams, they, they don't get the highlights that, that they deserve. Um, and, you know, Biagi following up Brian Mason last year, that's a tough follow, but I mean, we're still seeing points coming off of uh, special teams this year and we're seeing, you know, them develop and, and play sound football and, you know, limit other teams from, from big plays on special teams. So I do think it's becoming a bit of a strength, um, mm -hmm. not quite to the Brian Mason level, but uh, a strength nonetheless. Yep, and, I, and Nick, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, go in too much in depth on this. But, you know, when you're seeing progress, you know, in, in a unit where they're getting better each and every week, you have to tip your hat to to the coordinator. Um, you know, you definitely don't want to see degression. And, um, you know, we're not seeing that with the special teams unit. It seems like they're getting better. And I love the rules that, you know, those guys are accepting. Um, you know, we talk about Ford. Um, you know, on, on punt return coverage, making plays, and it's all about making plays, and, and they're making highlight plays, you know, um, see, it feels like back-to-back -back weeks, and I, I hope they keep playing off that. All right, yep, so agree. Clutch Sports also asks in the same thread, is it weird that Jelly looks like Tommy Reese 2.0? Peanut butter jelly time. What do you think, Nick? Peanut butter jelly time. Um, Clutch, I don't know if you mean, like, actual looks wise or like play style um if it's looks wise yeah, in the face it's, he it's, does in, in, in the face yeah it's a little weird <laughs> um but definitely not play style man uh Angeli's way better athlete than than tom Reese, and that's not hard to do yeah i i agree there's something about i don't know if they have the same helmet or something it's like the cheeks are kind of pushed up a little bit <laughs> i think that it is like kind of like i'm getting flashbacks to tommy reese when when the camera zooms in on him. So I think that's a yeah. good point, Clutch. Um, he follows it up with, SMA should finish the year with 212 carries, 1,300 yards, and 18 TDs, along with 19 catches for 160 yards. How would you rank his junior campaign to Kyren Williams? And, Nick, I know you're a big fan of Kyren. What are your thoughts on that? Man, yeah, Kyren's one of my favorite players, like, from the past 10 years. Um and I love estimate too. This is such a tough question. Um, That's why I gave it to you, Nick. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that, man. Jeez, because to to pull from you, man, Kyron Williams watching watching that dude tote the rock was chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. um, 
I guess how would I rank his junior campaign to Kyron Williams? I would say very, very similar. Um, if I had to pick between the two, like, you know, who I would rather have as my running back, it's tough, but I think I would go with Kyron. Uh, I'm with you, Nick. And this is a good segue actually to our next question because it's a very similar style question uh, from Cade Harper IT. So uh, give Cade a follow on Twitter. He's with the Irish Tribune. Appreciate it, Cade. Uh, he asks, where are you ranking Audric Estime as far as talent goes amongst all-time Notre Dame running backs? Nick, it sounds like you don't have him ahead of Kyron just yet, and I'm in the same boat. Um, currently 19th in rushing, Audric is in school history list but I think he's better than a lot of the guys in that list personally. So where do you have him ranked, Nick? Oh, man, I'm going to let you take this one first. Go ahead. All right, so. I'm putting you on the spot. Let's be honest here. Like we said earlier in our, our podcast, let's see how this year plays out because it would be hard not to put Audric Estimate at the top of the list if he has an absolutely outstanding campaign for the remainder of three games on our schedule. Let's say he plays in the bowl game. I, we don't know for sure, but I, if I feel if we went out and we have a New Year's a New Year's bowl, um, a New Year's six bowl, you know, I, I do think Audric may play. I know it's hard sometimes with a running back, and you got a lot of money looking at you. You only have so much wear on your tires, but with with Audric and his representation of Notre Dame, I, I think he's going to want to come out a bowl champion, a New Year's six bowl champion. And if he does win the Dope Walker Award, no other Notre Dame running back has won that since 19 or since the award was available since 1990. And yeah. I think that has to skyrocket him to one of the, the top running backs. Now, if we're going past 1990, this is before my era, I was born in 92. So it's hard for me to you know speak on, you know, the amount of Heisman trophy winning, you know, running backs that we've had, you know, previously from, you know, all the highlights I've seen of, you know, Reggie Brooks, um, you know, all those kind of guys um, that, you know, our dads talked about when we were raised as Notre Dame fans. Yeah. Um, it'd be hard for me to kind of rank, but I'll, I'll just say, I think it's safe to say in my lifetime, I think if he wins the Dope Walker Award, you got to put him number one, right? I think Kyron's was more electrifying, and I love watching Kyron because he's kind of small, you know, gritty, find a way to make, you know, two guys miss. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think he's a little bit more electric to watch, but overall running backs – if he wins the Doug Walker Award, it's hard to argue against that as, as being the top guy since since I've been born. Yeah, no, I think it's very well said. And I'm, I pulled up the list here, and I'm going to read them off real quickly. Number one's Autry Denson, Alan Pinkett, Vegas Ferguson, Darius Walker, Josh Adams, Julius Jones, Jerome Heavens, Sierra Wood, Phil Carter, Randy Kinder, Tony Brooks, Ryan Grant, Kyron Williams, Armando Allen, Lee Becton, Mark Green, Tony Rice, Jerome Bettis, and then Audric Estime. A lot of great names. Look, <laughs> A lot of great names, man. Uh, only so many, you know, like you brought up, that I've had the chance to actually watch in my lifetime. Like, yeah, we've heard our dads talking about a lot of these names over, over multiple beers. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, Audric, I think, is better than Armando Allen. I think he's better than Ryan Grant. Yep. I think he's better than Sierra Wood. Yeah. Um, I don't – maybe better than – I think I'd take him over Darius Walker. You know, it, so it, it's one of those things. This is – it's tough. Um, They're all different styles, too. 
running back's yes. so hard yeah. to judge because all of them have different styles and different running games that were unique to themselves, right? Um, so it's kind of like everyone's what what's your preference? You know, it's everyone's kind of different right. preference on what they want out of a running back, what they find electric. Like I there's things that Kyron did that Audric couldn't do, you know? Correct. And but there's also things that Audric did that Kyron couldn't. So exactly. You know, it's like you mentioned, it, it all depends on the style, but um, how would I compare or how would I, where would I put him on that list? I guess, I mean, we'll see how he finishes, but I think easily top 10 um, out of, out of those names that I listed, um, you know, Julius Jones is one of my all time favorite players because that was when he first started getting into Notre Dame football. Um, I loved the way that dude ran the football. I, I don't think I'd put Audric above Josh Adams. Um, 33 trucking, 33 trucking <laughs> baby. But yeah, no, I, I think Audric, I think he's easily top 10, top eight, somewhere around there. Yep. So I love the question though. I, I love, I've mentioned this before. I'm a big Notre Dame football history guy. So love these kind of questions. I love them too. And I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Nick. Like I think Josh Adams is kind of maybe a good comparison to him. And Josh Adams broke a lot of outstanding runs i mean he had a play and yeah. he had a run where it felt like every game 98 yards yeah 98 yards but it felt like he was on a consistent basis where he was due to have oh, a yeah. 50 or 60 yard run now he had a great offensive yeah. line um you know he had, he had big q in front of him um and i think that was you know that plays into obviously running back and how successful they can be but Josh Adams, man, no, no. that people forget, you know, people were clamoring for him to be in the Heisman race that year. Um, yeah. you know, if things went a little bit differently yeah. for them in the win loss column, uh, he might've put himself in, in that, in that category. Um, but let's see how it plays out. Let's, let's, let's hold off on, on yeah. crowning. I would say Audric Estime, and I I'm cheering like heck for him to win the dope Walker. Let's just leave it at that. At least that's where I'm leaving. Absolutely. It. Hey, I, I'm going to leave it there too, man. You, you can't, I mean, you talk about one of the more likable dudes. I mean, watching his interviews and stuff, he just seems like a great dude. So love the question, Cade. Um, keep those coming, man. We really appreciate it. Um, Joe, anything else before we wrap it up? No, man. I, I enjoyed this episode. I hope everyone else did. I, I'm fired up talking about the Irish. It's been a busy work week. And uh, I love taking a little break from from reality, I guess you could say and talk a little Notre yeah. Dame football with you, Nick. And, uh, oh, it's always guys. Fun, I, always and I, I really want to get, get, you know, tweet Nick and I, your questions, join us on spaces. Uh, we want to get this community, you know, up and rocking. And, uh, you know, we always run spaces right after the game. So, uh, get on your phone. Yeah. If you have some, some hot takes, I'm, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say after the Clemson game. Hopefully we're all very happy and excited for the way the team performs on Saturday. And we don't have to wait all day. It's a new kickoff, baby. And I can't be yeah. more excited about that. Have your uh, Jameson and, and beers ready to go by at least eight. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an early one. So, uh, no, yeah, I, I totally agree with what Joe said. Thank you guys all for listening. Um, you know, continue to listen. We're, we're trying to make this the best fan podcast uh, of Notre Dame football out there. So, and that starts with you guys. So we appreciate the questions. Um, really appreciate you guys listening and, uh, we look forward to talking with you after the Clemson game on Twitter spaces. Yes, sir. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you then and go Irish. Go Irish.
Thanks for listening, Irish fans. Please rate and review our podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at First and Cold Pod, at Nick Kramer IT, and at Joe underscore Kramer underscore IT. And don't forget to check us out at theirishtribune.com and follow us on our socials at the Irish Tribune. Thanks for listening, and go Irish!